Hello, this is Pastor Rob Barber of Bethel Church in Tempers Plains, Ohio, where our mission is connecting people to God. I'm very excited to share the Word of God with you today because I believe God's Word is a powerful weapon designed by the Father to set the captives free. I trust the Holy Spirit will anoint this message and it will personally minister to you and set you free. God bless and enjoy this message. Today, I'm going to be talking about the torment of unforgiveness. And uh, this has been a series. Uh, I first started talking about offense, and then uh, we moved on from offense. I believe that, that if we can get a handle on stopping offense, not allowing offense to come into our life, we can keep the next step, which is the root of bitterness, from growing in our life. And if we stop that, if we stop it at offense, we don't have to deal with root of bitterness and unforgiveness. But if we do not stop it at offense, it will begin to grow into a root of bitterness. And then that root of bitterness will become full-fledged, grow into unforgiveness. So today we're talking specifically about unforgiveness. In Mark chapter 11, verse 25, it says in Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespass. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So we see here that God has tied our forgiveness in the future uh, with our for being able to forgive other people. We get bound up if we hold on to unforgiveness. I read a story about a mother. She had like eight kids. And uh, one day she, uh, she had five younger children. And one day she went to visit the, the neighbors. And while she was uh, there, her kids were doing something in the yard. And when she came back, they were all huddled around in a circle. And she wondered, what in the world has got their attention? Uh, she tried to get up close enough so she could see. And finally she did. She got close enough to see what was going on. And there in the middle of her five youngest children were five little skunks. She freaked out. She said, run, children, run. They did. And each one of them picked up a skunk and ran. That is not unlike us. God tells us to flee from offense, from bitterness, from unforgiveness. And many times, rather than just run away from it, we pick it up and run with it. Allow it to become uh, a part of our life. So, Jesus tells us not to allow those things to grow in us. Trespass in the Greek, paratema, it means a side slip, a lapse or deviation. It can be an unintentional or an intentional willful transgression. Many times I would say offense, when it begins, uh, it is unintentional. Not always. Sometimes people intend to offend you, but most often I think we get offended and people don't even realize that we've been offended. 
And we allow that thing to begin to fester in us, the root grow down, and then it ends up becoming the full-fledged unforgiveness. Because things add to it. When You see, when we're offended, everything that that person does, we, ha- we suspect, we uh, believe that what they're doing, they have ill intentions toward us. We allow the enemy to lie to us like that. And we've all been there. We know that. That person may not even realize what's going on, but everything they do from that point on, you begin to think they're doing it to bring harm to you in some way. You speculate. And the reality is, they may not have any ill intentions toward you at all. According to the model prayer that Jesus gave us in Matthew chapter 16, He told us that, um, He said this, Forgive, Matthew 16, 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So we have a responsibility if we expect God to forgive us. And of course, debts here is, a, is something due, a legal um, tender of some sort, something that, that we owe someone else. And a debtor is the one that is owed. So what the Lord Jesus Christ told us is that our forgiveness is tied to our ability to be able to forgive. Now, I'm not taking away from the grace of God that hit the, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But there's something spiritual about the bondage that we get in if we allow unforgiveness to grow up in our lives. In Luke chapter 11, verse 4, It says it just a little bit different. It says, And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It may be very true that you have been offended, and somebody intentionally offended you, or maybe unintentionally. But it's very important that we see this from God's perspective in our life. It is most important for us, not for the other person, that we forgive and not allow unforgiveness to grow up in us. In Matthew 18, 21, Peter came to Jesus and he said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. Now, the reason Peter asked this is because there, to the best of our Uh, knowledge, there was a teaching that was taught by the rabbis. It was handed down from a great rabbi, Halal. And he said that seven was God's perfect number. Therefore, all you had to do was forgive a person seven times. After seven times, you were free to harbor unforgiveness if that's what you wanted to do. Jesus made it very clear that was not true. He said, I do not say up to seven times, but to 70 times seven. In fact, what Jesus was telling us is that it's an infinite number. Over and over and over, we must forgive. We cannot allow these feelings to grow up inside of us because of the, it creates bondage in our life. Jesus 
is our answer. And we have to look to Him. Religion gives us an excuse. Religion in the Old Testament gave uh, the Jewish people uh, an excuse for acting out. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And Jesus said, no. I remove move all those excuses. You must forgive. No matter what. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 says this. And you being dead in your trespasses, your offenses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So all our trespasses are forgiven. The blood of Jesus Christ is so powerful that he sets us free from that bondage. Let us not allow ourselves to be placed back in that bondage. This is exactly what Jesus wants us to understand, that we are cleansed by His blood. In John chapter 1, verse 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. That blood is so powerful. Jesus told Peter that he must forgive no matter how many times someone offends him. And then after that, he gave a parable. And we're going to look at that parable this morning. Look, to, look at me. Parable is a story that Jesus tells. It has spiritual truth is the emphasis, but it's a story that was made up. Uh, the people in it, most of the time, are fictional characters, but yet there's spiritual uh, ramifications and, and spiritual connection to it. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 18. We're going to begin with verse 23. And my first point this morning is that Jesus is talking to believers. 18.23. If you want to turn there, I'm going to give you a chance to, to turn to that scripture if you'd like to, because we're going to be reading through this this morning. Matthew chapter 18, verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. This king wanted to settle accounts with his servants. They owed him something. And he wanted to settle it. Now, Jesus makes it clear as he's talking to the people that this is a king who has a kingdom. And although he doesn't say that he's that king, I think it's fair for us to come to that conclusion. Jesus is speaking of himself. He's the king. Our king has given us keys to the kingdom. We have been promised that we have that. And if we will take these kings, these keys that we find in, in the word and apply those keys to our life, we, the ecclesia or the church, that's what Jesus is talking to, we can walk in the abundance that he promised us that we could walk in. And we can have prosperous life. Now, prosperity messages come under fire in the last few years. And I think maybe rightfully so, because some people, when they talk about prosperity, all they can talk about is material possessions, wealth. But that's not real prosperity. That can be a portion of prosperity, but real prosperity is a well-rounded spiritual life 
that causes us to be able to walk with our family, with our uh, employer, our employees, with our relationships, our friends. It causes us to be able to prosper in our relationships overall. We, whatever we put our hands to will prosper. Not just material things. Thank God for the material blessings. We are truly blessed in this nation to have the ability to prosper as we do. Mostly because we have a society that allows each and every person to pursue their own heart and their own desire. And then we look to God as, as believers to trust Him, that He not only allows us to be able to have this freedom, but because of our spiritual connection to Him and we do what He tells us to do, we give, we love, we walk in proper relationships, then this abundant life flows out of us, through us, and into other people. The King of the kingdom has given us keys to that kingdom. Matthew 16, 19 says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. These are keys. It's found here in this word. That's why it's so important that we study the word. It's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's, it will cut to the quick. That's what it tells us. Now, as I talk to you this morning about this particular principle, this is a key that will set us free. As I talk to you about it this morning, I want you to listen closely. Because this key, this is a very, very important principle and key in the kingdom living. Not to allow unforgiveness to hold us back and bind us up. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, it tells us that we have been delivered from the darkness of this world and translated into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, or kingdom of God's Son. That's what it, it actually says. We've been translated. That word translated is, uh, it conveys the idea of someone that was in like a third world country, where there's poverty, where there's a dictator, where there's great oppression, and suddenly they were allowed to come to someplace like the United States, where there's great freedom. They were translated out of that dark world that they were living in into a world where there's much more freedom. And of course, th there's nothing compared to the, to the spiritual world that we have been translated into. Although we are part of this world, we all know we are not of this world. We live in a kingdom that is greater and more powerful than anything that is around us. This world cannot hold us back. This world is darkness and Jesus is light. But we have to find the codes. There's codes in this thing. They're not hidden, really, but we have to search them out. The, the Word tells us it, it's, uh, it's the glory of God to hide a thing, and for kings, which we are kings and priests, to search out 
a thing. And we search it out here and we find it in, in the Word. So we have these codes, these uh, kingdom principles that we apply to our life. Over the last few years, Chris Deemer has um, purchased uh, coded locks. We have one on that door right there. Many of the, the classrooms and all the locks around here. And uh, the, the code is various numbers that you pr press in. And you can open the door. The, most of the leaders and teachers and stuff have the codes that are uh, specifically for them, whatever they need to be able to get into to that particular door or that particular room. But in order to get into it, they have to have the code, right? I have a code. And as far as I know, that every door in this place, even at Chester, the office, my code opens that door. But I have to enter the code in order to get inside, to get whatever's in there or get into that room. The same thing applies to the Word of God. There are some codes in here. They're not hidden codes, but they're codes that we have to search out, such as understanding relationship in regards to unforgiveness. This is one of those keys, the codes that we're talking about. We had to use this to defeat offense, bitterness, unforgiveness. We have to open those doors. So today we're going to talk about exactly what it's going to take for us to overcome this, these uh, unforgiveness in our life. We've already talked about offense and, and bitterness. We're going to learn to leave behind the ways of the world, as it, the Word of God tells us, and be transformed, into, transformed by our thinking by the Word of God. This is real prosperous living. This is what I, I was talking about. Romans 12, 2 tells us, says it this way, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The perfect, prosperous will of God. Let's go on. All debt has been forgiven. This is very important that we understand exactly what has happened in our life as believers. And if you're not a believer, you've not received Christ as your personal Savior, God wants a relationship with you. That's why we're here, to connect you to Almighty God, so that you can have that connection through His Son, Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with God the Father. So, Matthew 18, verse 24 through 27 is where we are now. All debt has been forgiven. And when He had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to Him who owed Him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold and his wife and his children all that he had, and that payment may be made. That was not an unusual practice during this period of time. They would sell people. If they owed a debt, they, their possessions were sold. Their family was sold into slavery. The person was sold into sla slavery in order to pay the debt. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. 
Now it says that one was brought to him and owed him 10,000 talents. Now a denarii was a Roman silver coin that weighed about four grams. It was uh, a day's wages. Uh, it was a common laborer or even a soldier would receive a denarii a day. A talent is a measure weight for silver and gold. It weighed about 75 pounds. One talent was worth 6,000 denarii. 6,000 days wages. 16 years of wages. 10,000 talents was millions of dollars that this man owed. Millions. And yet, his master said, I forgive you. This is a huge debt that we owe the Lord. We owe God everything. And yet, that debt was forgiven us. Jesus took it on himself when he hung on that cross. His blood shed took away our sin. It didn't cover it. It took it away completely and totally. Wiped it away. We are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Colossians 21. Colossians 2, 13, I mean. And you being dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. It's all taken care of. All debt is done. It's over. It's cleansed. It's paid by the precious blood, by the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he doesn't remember anything. That was in your past. Doesn't remember your future. It's all. All that, those things. Are done away with. There's a story told about a priest. In the Philippines. He was a much loved man of God. And, but he carried this burden. That he sinned when he was in seminary. And he. It was a, to him it was a horrible sin. And, and he just couldn't get over it. And he had this lady in his congregation who seemed to be hearing from God. She was having visions and dreams, and Jesus would come to her and speak to her. And he said, well, you know, I'm going to test this. I'm going to find out uh, what's going on here. So he went to the lady, and he said, uh, I want to ask you to do something for me. The next time Jesus appears to you in a dream or a vision, will you ask him uh, one thing, will you ask him what sin I committed when I was in seminary? And she said, yeah, I'll do it. So some time went on. And finally, he saw her one day and he said, did you uh, talk to Jesus for me? Not, a, you know, as if he couldn't talk to Jesus himself, but he wanted to hear from her, see what she was saying. Did you talk to Jesus for me? And she said, yes, I did. And what did he say about the sin that I committed when I was in seminary? He said, I don't remember. And that's exactly right. He don't remember your sins. They're all cast away. They're all covered. They're all not covered. They're all washed. Washed away by his blood. That's how good our God is.
The last thing I want to talk to you this morning about is unforgiveness leads to torment. Matthew 18, 28 through 34. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, I will pay you. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he had he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. Delivered to the torturers. After this incredible debt was forgiven, this servant, he held his fellow servant responsible for a minor debt compared to what he was forgiven. A hundred denarii is approximately 14 weeks. It's a substantial amount, but nothing compared to what he was forgiven. He held on to it. He wanted to be, he wanted revenge is what he wanted. He wanted satisfaction. He wanted his payment. And that sometimes is, sometimes is what gets into us. We feel like this person did something wrong to me and I need satisfaction. I need to know that that, that person is being punished for what they did. I've heard unforgiveness compared to uh, seeking revenge by taking a cup of poison and drinking it, hoping that it's going to kill the other person. It is poison. That's what unforgiveness is. The only way to be delivered from this torment is to forgive from the heart. That's what Jesus said here in 35. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. From our heart, we have to forgive. Forgiveness. God, God has forgiven us. And listen, sometimes it's not easy to forgive someone when they've done something to you. But our responsibility is to treat them with love and respect and ask the Father to help us from the heart to forgive. Because these things will do nothing but bind you up and cause you torment for the rest of your life. A little boy was visiting his grandparents. And he had just gotten a brand new slingshot. And he was out in the woods trying to, to pick off birds and squirrels and things like that. And he couldn't hit a thing. And on his way back to the house, he saw his grandmother's prized duck. And on a whim, he took a slingshot and wham. Dead on. Hit it right in the head. Killed that prized duck of his grandmother. He panicked. He didn't know what to do, so he grabbed the duck and hid it in the woodpile. And when, after he got done hiding it, he looked up, and his sister was standing on the porch watching him. 
That night after dinner, Grandma said, Mary, I need some help with dishes. Mary said, oh, Tommy told me he wanted to help. And then she leaned over to Tommy and said, remember the duck. Tommy helped. The next day, Grandpa came and said, I want to take the kids fishing. And Grandma said, well, I need Mary to help me uh, with some canning. And Mary said, oh, Tommy told me he wanted to help. And then, of course, she leaned over to him and said, remember the duck. So day after day, this went on until finally Tommy couldn't stand it any longer. And he confessed to Grandma. He said, Grandma, I killed your duck with my slingshot. Grandma said, I know. I was standing at the kitchen window. I saw the whole thing. I forgave you, but I just wondered how long you would let Mary torment you <laughs> before you confessed. That's, that's what unforgiveness does to us. It causes us that torment. And we think we might be getting back at the other person, and sometimes they don't even know that we have this unforgiveness toward them. God wants to set us free. Go back up to verse 15 in that same chapter. Matthew chapter 18. Jesus said this. He said, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take what you owe. Take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Now, I want you to understand, Jesus is not giving us a license to, to harbor unforgiveness. But rather, he's giving us a responsibility to do everything that we can do to mend the relationship. It's on us. If we feel like somebody has done something to us, have offended us in, in some way, rather than allow that bitterness to grow, rather than allow unforgiveness to blossom in, in our lives, we need the first step. All we have to do is go to that person and talk to them. I'm telling you, 95% of the issues in the churches could be rendered if we would just use this scripture and do it this, the biblical way. Go and talk to people. Let them know, hey, sometimes they didn't even know that they offended you in any way. Let them know. Talk it out. Love one or This is biblical. This is Bible 101. Loving one another regardless. But he tells us, if that person refuses, take somebody else to, with them. Maybe someone else will help that person, convince that person that you need to talk this out and work it out. And then if that person, you bring it to the church. And then, and I don't believe that we come up here in front of, if 
Pastor Otis and I are having issues with one another. We call the whole church together on Sunday morning, and Otis and I are going to stand up here and confess our faults to one another, or about one another, because that does nothing but create more term- turmoil. But what I do believe is that when he talks about bringing it to the church, there's church leadership. And the the leaders of the church should, according to Scripture, we should be wise enough to render some kind of verdict in this situation to try to bring reconciliation to the brethren. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. How is it? That the body of Christ can treat one another the same way the world does. If we cannot reconcile our differences, there is no hope for the world. We have the Holy Spirit. The, where it says uh, in the, new, the King James and the New King James in verse 17, it says, Let... Let him be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. The New Living Translation says, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. He's not telling us that we're supposed to harbor hard feelings or unforgiveness toward this individual. But what he is saying is that if you've done everything that you're supposed to do biblically, and that person still refuses to reconcile the relationship, you are free to go on with your life and stop, and you do not have to chase that person around trying to get the relationship back where it used to be. You're free to move on, but you're never free to harbor unforgiveness. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted. We're to consider one another. We're to love one another. We're to have compassion toward one another. And yes, we're going to sometimes make some mistakes, but we're supposed to restore those who have fallen short. Every person, regardless of whether we have been wronged or we have wronged somebody else, we are responsible to go to that person and talk to them. Let me show you Matthew 5.23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift. Leave it there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So you see, it's, it, it's both on both sides. If we've done something to somebody and we know it, if they've done something to us, we always have a responsibility. If we would do this, we would both be coming together to reconcile the situation and the relationship. No one would have to to be the only one taking on the responsibility. We're to mend relationships and walk in love toward one another, always, in everything. I have seen churches torn completely apart over some kind of silly thing like the color of the carpet or the color of the walls. 
Hallelujah, I'm thankful that we don't have that here. Or whether you're going to have a choir or a worship team or what kind of music you're going to play. These are ridiculous things when it comes to the body of Christ and when it comes to our spiritual uh, walk before the Lord. We're to, be, we're to grow up in the Lord and be mature and recognize that there is going to be conflict. I have said this many times. I've shared this with you. We have a plaque at home and we've had it for years. And that little plaque says, Conflict plus love equals growth. We are going to have conflict. Tammy and I have conflict. But we love each other enough to work it out so that we can both grow. The church of Jesus Christ needs to love one another enough to work out every situation. Amen. Stand with me. Hello, this is Pastor Rob again. I pray you enjoyed this podcast. What a blessing it has been to have you join us on this social media platform. If you would like more information about Bethel, please check out our website at BethelChurch.community. You can also follow us on our Facebook page at Bethel Church, Tepper's Plains. Have a blessed day and remember, love never fails.